Dan Share Heart on Fire podcast episode number 24. You know, uh, in Southside, dance with this 80 year old man. He's to this day, that was in 2000 or in 99. To this day, I have not matched the level of joy that I had with this man who was 80 who did, again, two moves, maybe three. He did a basic, a crossbody, and a woman's turn. That's it. His spirit, his timing, his musicality, his lead were all in sync. No, 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 no. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. And today we're going to be doing episode number two or in our series here of Thinkers versus Feelers. In our first episode, Stephanie, my special guest who's on the line with us, talked about feelers in the dance scene and how they might show up in life and things like that. And we talked about their learning styles and how you can quickly access them to kind of understand um, the moves that are being taught in a class or understanding different concepts and things like that and how if you are a thinker or more of a thinker how you can kind of get an instructor to cater to your learning style and then also if you're an instructor how to cater to a thinker so in this episode we're going to focus on the feelers and like I said before in the previous podcast, it's not one or the other. Um, sometimes you do have a, a more dominant side, whether you're a thinker or a feeler. And ideally, um, we're both striving for a balance between both in dance. Yeah. So how are you doing today, Stephanie? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's about time. It's overdue. Mm-hmm. It's, it's way overdue because we had so many conversations over the years. And it's just been awesome. And now we get to record it and put it out there. So it's, I mean, it's not forever, but we get to share that knowledge. A lot of people out there for the listeners. And it's really good because it, it just adds an extra layer, level of awareness and just knowing and like being mindful, you know, of, of things. And that, that's what the awesome thing I like about the podcast. And sometimes I feel like in a class, you want like you say oh you need to connect to your partner and listen to your partner and it's just such it's so superficial because there's so much depth to that you know but in a, in a dance class if you only have an hour or two you don't really yeah. have a lot of time but with the podcast we definitely have a lot more time to kind of talk about these details that are very very important and you hear those messages over and over again and in class it's just kind of like planting a seed but with the podcast we definitely develop them yeah develop them a little bit more in those concepts mm-hmm. so today we're going to be talking about the feelers part two and part two and how they show up in the in the dance scene so 
we were talking about some examples of extreme feelers in the dancing. You're giving me a couple of examples of and students, and we both can refer to some students that we've taught in the past that kind of have these tendencies as well. Yeah. But the, one of the things that, that seemed to that seems to be a common thread was just being unaware of their body because they just kind of feel the music and they go with it. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think, well, to be precise, they're very body oriented and they feel a lot. It's just that they can't get their mind to become aware to improve or change what's currently going on. So extreme feelers on the spectrum uh, tend to be big movers you know they take big steps there's a high energy to their movement they they might do something uh, like I call it a twang where a part of their body's moving erratically and they have no idea it's moving so unaware of that they're so in their bodies and they're so into connecting with their own joy that it's like a rush it's a very passionate emotional and it tends to numb out the details mm -hmm. so those types of feelers need to keep moving and keep to they need to keep dancing to access their joy yeah it was interesting because before in the podcast the previous podcast we talked about the thinkers and we said the mind tells the body what yeah. to do. Yeah. But if we talk about the mind body relationship with the feeler, um, the body is definitely the vehicle that's being used to express the music. But that that source of that energy slash inspiration isn't coming from the mind. It's coming from the spirit. Yeah. So now you have a mind body spirit kind of element going on another and holy trinity <laughs> for sure and with a thinker i feel like they first start with their minds mm -hmm. you know and they're all th in their head you know and then they have to translate that knowledge from their mind into their bodies and say okay this is what my body needs to do and then they can tap into the spirit and now actually let go and have fun and not be so technical and kind of balance out you know yeah and for a feeler it seems to be in reverse you the the source of the spirit is just automatically that takes over that's yeah. like the lead source of that energy you know and it moves the body mm -hmm. and the mind may or Shut may not off. be aware <laughs> of what's going on you know yeah. and so in a dance class a feeler is just trying to kind of become more in tune with their body and then have that connection go into their mind, you know? Yeah. And you, you made a good point before, like this isn't necessarily like a right or wrong kind of thing. It's just kind of awareness of, of how you show up in a dance class. So that way you're not frustrated with yeah, a particular instructor or you're learning or anything like that. It's just really catering to what, how you function, you know? Yeah. And it's not a, a permanent thing either. You might have a dominant one, but I feel like the really more experienced dancers are able to really balance both of them really well. Yeah, you can evolve into something else. Like in life, you can transform, you know, at any moment. So it's just about what are your goals? Do you want to become a more well-rounded dancer? And in order to do that, and if you want to learn this, this, and that, 
then you need to have the balance between the two. Or mm -hmm. if you just are happy being joyful and you want to meet people, go out in the clubs, you have your two moves and you're fine with that, then so be it. You don't need yeah, to definitely. be a thinker. No, it's, it's true for sure. It does depend on what your long-term goal is in the dancing and what you want to do with it. But um, our guess is that if you are going consistently to a dance class, that you are trying to get something out of it to learn. And like we said before in the previous podcast, it's really important to know your learning style and how to take advantage of the information that's being presented to you, you know? Yeah. And it's also about delving into your art. You know, it's your hobby, it's your art. How, if you're so excited and passionate about it, then probably you want to know it in a three-dimensional kind of aspect. You want to know everything about it, you know, just like your favorite person or sport. It's the same. Mm -hmm. So you come to class and you, you try different teachers and then, you know, you're just constantly motivated and inspired by the process we were talking about, too. Yeah, for sure. Embracing the process of, of learning and the process of improving. Um, I just got through reading a book called The Practicing Mind by Thomas Sterner. Um, the subtitle for the book is Developing Focus and Discipline in Your Life um, to Learn to Love the Learning Process mm -hmm. of How You Start to Improve, you know, and, and he, he mentioned learning and art. And one quote that kind of stood out with me throughout the whole book was that art is infinite. So you you never really arrive, you know, you just kind of keep evolving over and over again as a dancer and you enjoy that process as you start to uncover more things about yourself. Yeah. And then I think coming back to uh, the feeling and the entities and all that, I think there is a, a difference between men and women. So women mm -hmm. feelers... Um, usually love to, to move and move so much <laughs> in fact to the music that they might override the lead they might hijack mm -hmm. more often and they're really smiley and joyful but they're not really listening to their other to their partner they're more into their joy world and they're a bit self-absorbed yes for sure it could come off as being a little little selfish could be um and so the, the lead might feel like wow this per this woman is really into her own thing and there'll be mm -hmm. a disconnect she yeah. thinks they're totally connected and the man's <laughs> like uh, i don't know there's a bit of a, a wall like i can't reach her like i'd want to can't get into subtle or micro things I, I can recall a couple of dances like that and it feels like you have to kind of grab the bull by the horns kind of thing you know yeah. And really steer what's going on because you're trying to control the situation or at least get her to like listen to you because like you said, she can't listen to the more subtle things. So I have to be louder and firmer. Yeah. And you and said that these women have a tendency to like want stronger and firmer leads. Yeah. They're, so that's what I was thinking. That's why I don't get a lot of feelers in class, I think, because women... They take a little shortcut. They say, I just need a good lead and I can learn this dance. So they go out mm. the club <laughs> and yeah. they seek out the, the teachers, the strong dancers, and then they just get away with that. 
If I had a dollar for every time I heard that statement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I'm totally guilty of this, by the way. (laughs) Just needing a good lead? Yeah. Yeah. In any dance, I just go and and seek out the best. And Mm. then I take class because I'm a teacher. So I know I need to learn technique. but, But I think if it's a hobby, a lot of women feelers just don't do that. Um. Whereas male male leaders who are feelers, they they probably know very very few moves, and they're okay with that, and they feel like a million bucks. You know, the women just love how sensual, and they could still be small and subtle. You know, uh, sultry, very charming. Mm-hmm. Um, and women find that sexy, but they're limited in their moves. So a woman who likes more challenge in her technique will not prefer him. You know, she'll like one or two songs with him and just like him as a person and that and it's done. But she might feel more passionate about more challenging moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that... That story, what you're telling me about the guy who are limited, reminds me of the one uh, Angolan guy that you said that all the ladies love to dance with. And you said that he only had like two moves or something like that? He literally had two. And the thing is, he never did more than two songs because I'm only assuming he felt like it was limiting and the women would be bored. Mm. So he never, ever would go longer than that. I got you. No, I mean, it's interesting as we start to call out these characteristics. And I'm pretty sure with some of our listeners, you can either relate personally or, you know, some people that kind of fit the description somewhat to that. And I mean, I've been dancing for just over the years, over 10 years. And like even in the salsa world or in the Kizoma world, you just know those people that you've taught or just people who how they show up on the dance floor kind of fit into these characteristics, you know? Yeah. And also the the male feeler could, could be the other extreme. He could be like really hyper, big moves, bumps into people, doesn't even realize it. And he's so excitable, you know, that he, when you say like bend your knees, he's almost to the ground. He <laughs> takes everything so to the limit. And, mm-hmm. and so his dancing might feel very boisterous and erratic and like really out of control. And you think, wow, in both cases, you're like, you got to tame the wild beast in you, you know, because mm-hmm. you are sharing it with another person. And sure. perhaps if the music is really soft and gentle, well, to be musical, you need to know how to match that energy. So if you're only on overdrive all the time, then you're limiting yourself and your experience. That's all. For sure. And it was interesting in the conversation that we had before the podcast, we kind of talked about a little bit of the mindset differences between a feeler and a thinker. And one of the things that stood out to me of what you were talking about, Stephanie, was that the feeler does not have a fear to improvise. Versus with a thinker, like if you ask them to improvise, it almost like stepping off 
the ledge at the end of a cliff, you know? It's like, I don't know where I'm going, what's going on. And fear. It's that they have that fear. But then if we flip the script, a thinker wants to be in the box, you know? They don't have a fear of being in the box or having things mapped out, you know? Yeah. And that is what a feeler can fear, you know? Like, they don't want to be trapped in, they don't want to be boxed in, and you use the keyword, they don't want to f- feel suffocated in their movement. Yeah, yeah, because since the feeler will have rush of emotion, they're very capable of improvising, just going with a flow, being in the moment. However, they probably don't have a relativity scale, so they can't actually measure or quantify their movement. That's why they're, they're, they're not good at counting or measuring, like, Instead of taking a big step, take a small step. That that mm-hmm. won't register, and unless they f- they start feeling it um, and really applying it. But the the way that they they don't actually quantify, whereas the thinker totally has the grid, and they need those parameters to go by to feel safe. So mm-hmm. that they feel like they can move forward in their thinking, everything makes sense. So they might not be as good um, improvisers. Not to say that they can't, because um, I've seen really big thinkers. Because they can think, they can see things in more three D fashion, and they mm-hmm. can piece together moves. And, and start making moves up that I've never even seen before. And they asked me, like, can I do this? And at first I'm almost ready to say, no, that's not Kizomba. And then I say, hmm, okay, let me check this out. Let's see if it works, like, physics-wise and angle-wise. You know what? Mm-hmm. It totally works. Like, Man, you just, you just discovered a new move. And then I use their name and say, like, this is Matt's move. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, and then they feel empowered, and, you know, I'm so happy for them that they're able to construct their own pattern. They just have to, they can't improvise in the moment, but they can mm-hmm. definitely build their their construction, you know, they can think about, think their way mm-hmm. to it. In, so me, sense. being a thinker, and, and teaching, and things like that, that always refer to the moves as like little tiny Lego blocks, you know? And you can piece together these Lego blocks as you would like and start to create your own little combinations, you know? Which is at the end of the day, you want them to be able to do, you know? And then if they can match those Lego blocks to something that they hear in the music and they're piecing it together, then it feels really, really, really nice. Um, And and that's uh the thing about being passionate about your art. You know, I'm a believer that if if you're passionate, you are going to play with the Lego. You're not just going to accept what the teacher teaches you and stay there. You know, some people, I've known them for 20 years. They're still doing the same pattern. Mm-hmm. But they're fine with that. But I wouldn't be. For sure. Like, I feel like sometimes... It's one thing to know what your dance or what dance can, where the dance can take you, like how far you can go and just accepting where you're at, you know? And it's a wonderful thing to say, okay, you're at a certain level and you think that's the limit. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. There's a difference of accepting it and a, and a difference of like holding yourself back, you know? Yeah. Um, but I feel like when you're really aware of how far you can go in dance, you know, yeah. and you're not stuck in this un, in the unawareness of thinking that you have arrived and like you just kind of keep going down the line, then it does inspire you to like keep taking classes, keep, keep learning, taking private lessons to start to uncover these things, you know, yeah. because you're aware that there's more to it than what you're doing, but there's nothing wrong with also being aware and just accepting where you are and being content with that. Yes. You know, everything is about coming full circle in your learning and then starting Mm -hmm. a new circle. It's about learning the rules and breaking them. So I'm thinking about my masseuse And she was doing this yoga move just to stretch at the end of our session. And she goes, oh, you know, it's so interesting how the experienced yoga people only have five moves they they do. Whereas the amateurs all want to do 10,000. And I was, oh, I really like that. I, I took that away from our session because it's, it's great to pursue your art get all your knowledge just like in life you have all your experiences but then with intention and awareness you you filter everything down to what works for you and what makes Mm -hmm. you happy at the end of the day so mr angolan who did his two moves i mean i'm i'm in a heavenly state when i dance with him you know uh in salsa i dance with this 80 year old man who's to this day, and that was in 2000 or in 99, to this mm-hmm. day, I have not matched the level of joy that I had with this man who was 80 who did, again, two moves, maybe three. He did a basic, a crossbody, and a woman's turn. That's it. His spirit, his timing, his musicality, his lead were all in sync. Mm. And his connection, uh, he was radiant, and it still stands out in my in my heart today. So he probably knew a lot more, but he filtered it, and that's what worked for him. So I think that's a really great lesson that you know when you take dance, you can draw the lesson from from this experience. Yeah, definitely. Hearing you mention how that touched your heart, um, I had this quote written down. I was going to save it for the end of the podcast, but I think it would be a good time to just share the quote now. It says, the most beautiful things in life are not seen with the eyes, but felt by the heart. You know, Saint-Exupéry said that, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's from The Little Prince. The Little Prince? Is that a book or a movie? or Probably both, but it's a book. It's a children's book meant for any age. Mm-hmm. We'll have to put a link of that in the show notes for yes. the people who want to check that out. For sure. Yeah. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. Learn to is what you need. 
progressive step-by-step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart On Fire listeners, 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. Learntokids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. All right. So let's go ahead and, and move along now to how feelers can improve their learning process in a dance class. And then also we can talk about how instructors can cater to these feelers. Mm -hmm. Um, In the last podcast, we talked about trigger words and how certain trigger words can capture the focus of either a thinker or a feeler. Mm -hmm. Um, With you being a feeler, I'm kind of curious what kind of trigger words kind of get you to kind of hamper in because you did say before that typically feelers are more talkative and they're more easily distracted. So I feel like you have to kind of capture their attention and those trigger words can definitely do that. Yes, there's words and then also they're sensitive to energy. So if you change mm-hmm. your energy, they they will respond to that, and like especially if it's high energy. Um, like you raise your voice or you clap and you, you like put all kinds of uh, fun words in there, then they're going to be captivated. They need to learn how to count. They need to discipline themselves to do that. So I, I mentioned in the last podcast, one feeler student said that she just played the music and it was like a six hour car ride and she just counted a lot and she was practicing and that's great. Um, they need to break things down more and do things without music. Hmm. so that they can focus and get their attention honed in on the actual technique and talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, what you just said was completely fine or anything like that, but the question that I asked before was just like about the trigger words. Uh Um, So were there any trigger words? Because before I think you said it was like feel or imagine or something like that. Yeah. Just like a quick burb on the, on the, on the trigger words. And then we can go back into how a feeler, because I feel what you're talking about now is like how a feeler can work on becoming more balanced. Mm -hmm. So, well, I mean, I'm having a little trouble with that only because the feelers need to repeat a lot and feel more. Mm, so they're more kinetic and not so auditory. Correct. Okay, so we can mention that. But you can say like imagine because they're more creative. So you'd say imagine, mm-hmm. um, obviously feel, and do, you know, do this. Mm. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So you were mentioning before the podcast as well different things of how a feeler can start to become more balanced on the thinker side and start to kind of build that awareness to incorporate more thinker type uh, things. And one of the things that you said before was really to start to count the music more, more often. Yeah. Yeah. And practice with a partner 
outside of class and not in a, on the dance floor. So it's quiet. But of course, in class, that might be a little bit more challenging. So in order to satisfy those feelers, I, you know, I need to repeat with the music a lot. And then I'll just keep adding elements bit mm -hmm. by bit. And I just keep the energy high in the class. It's just moving, moving, moving. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Do you add things to what you're teaching while the music is playing? Yes. Just small things that people can wrap their heads around. Mm -hmm. not, not complex things. Because if I start explaining a technique over the music, then that's like a little bit an overstimulation mode, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. um, so luckily, my dance partner, Bowie, always knows when I'm going to actually break something down. And he runs to the music and turns it down. Mm, okay. I got you. So it's interesting because like when I teach, um, usually I try to break down everything and get people to kind of understand what's going on. And then I'll play music mm -hmm. and... Usually, I don't accept any questions or anything like that for the most part while the music is playing because I want them to kind of feel about it, yeah. feel the music more. And you were saying before, it's kind of interesting because depending on the energy going on in the room, if you talk too much, that can kind of disengage the feeler to not yeah. pay attention to what's going on, you know? Yeah. And then playing the music all the time too much like for the feeler is going to be a little bit overwhelming and they're going to not know what to do it's like no i need i need more of a breakdown by the count and things like that so managing the balance between playing enough music and giving enough breakdown to satisfy both a thinker and a feeler who could be in your class at the same time takes some awareness of the class big awareness yeah and also the thinker might need to like separate from the partner and just process more even if you do put the music on they can't handle that at that particular time so mm. i think it's important to let them even if their partner is left without doing anything and she, you know she might be a little bit ticked off then i'd go dance with her while the the thinker male is figuring his stuff out and and trying to process so yeah, I think as a teacher, you're always orchestrating energy and balance is the key motivational word. It's always balance. And that's yeah, balance is, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, teachers tend to absorb a lot of energy. So by the end of an hour or two, they're really tired because they're on high gear, high awareness, and they're noticing macro, micro, every second of the way mm -hmm. definitely no like having this conversation about the thinkers and the feelers and it just reminds me of all the different times that i've taught and how you kind of pick up on things and sometimes you just kind of have an instinct mm -hmm. you just go instinctively well i feel the energy is kind of low let me play a more peppy song or right. i feel like people are too in their heads let's kind of like play something that's more mellow so they can yeah. kind of relax a little bit and focus on on the move or if they're flustered yes playing a slower song as well you know yeah if you can see their facial expressions and if they're really flustered you can tell and they're obviously not doing the move effectively then you you have to say you know what 
let's just take a portion of this move and get it um, let's just get this part down and then we'll learn the other part next week so you want to make sure that they leave feeling uplifted and they leave feeling accomplished so definitely so sometimes you have to change gears um, and, and realize, you know what, I made a mistake and I threw something too hard at them. I made it too complicated. You got to swallow your pride and, and change gears, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel the more experience you have as an instructor, the more easily you are able to switch gears, you know? Yes. I, in my experience, it's always good to have a plan. And the classes that have a plan always flow a lot better, even if I don't go through all the material that I wanted to teach in my original plan. Exactly. Yeah, being flexible. And also balance between being in the spotlight and monologuing. Mm -hmm. And then balancing that with when the music's playing, the teacher will come around and answer specific little questions or, you know, every student wants to dance at least once with the teacher. Mm -hmm. And I don't always get to do that, but um, you know, you want to feel like the lead to make sure that the lead is doing it properly. And just five, ten seconds with them, where you lead the lead, and they're like, "Oh, I see what you're doing with your hand mm -hmm. there." It it's worth a thousand words. Yeah, and then they feel more accomplished. The individualized attention and the individualized feedback that you can give to a student um, is really the golden elixir, you know, that, that yeah. they're looking for. Yeah. Um, in a group class, you definitely have different energies at play because there's multiple people. It's more affordable versus private lessons and things like that. Uh -huh. For my listeners, I am going to have a podcast with uh, Rachel Cassandra on the benefits of private lessons. And we'll delve into that a little bit more. She's a great teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really important to understand as an instructor that you have to kind of give yourself and try to cater to a lot of different things going on at the same time, the energy in the room, people's learning styles, trying to give as much as you can from what, depending on the size of the class and mm -hmm. the different levels that you have in the class. And the more you start to teach and the more you start to realize like what's all that's going on when you have a really good experience instructor it's really it just makes you appreciate the skill so much more yeah yeah definitely okay so is there anything else we want to say before we close the podcast i think we're at like 30 minutes right now which is good yeah i think we've covered a lot of ground and mm -hmm. uh, i guess you know in closing it's great if a student can uh, really think about thinking and feeling in their learning process quantify it so like 80% feeler 20% thinker for example because when I ask people they say I'm a feeler I, I say <laughs> I just asked you to for both you know like percentages and they still want to go with one or the other it's interesting and quantify it and see where in your learning you can improve Mm -hmm. And then feel empowered to ask your instructor, you know, I need a lot of repetition. Can you, can we have more music in the class? I understand, you know, you can't have it all the time, but I would really appreciate more music. And just stating yeah. your, your need more. 
Yes, it's important to do that, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's a two-way street. Yeah. As a student, you're able to know your learning style, and if your needs aren't being met, you're able to communicate that, you know? Yeah. And then also as an instructor, whether you're dominant more so on the thinker side or the feeler side, you still have to be able to cater to the non-dominant side of what you are. So, you know, there's plenty of instructors that just know how to teach and explain things from their point of view, but you have to be able to, as you evolve as an instructor, be able to cater to multiple learning styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. We guys hope you enjoyed the podcast. We hope you guys feel more empowered. We hope you guys continue to take more dance classes, know your learning style, be able to take this information and use that to take your dancing to the next level and to avoid frustration or feeling stuck and things like that. Sometimes it's just knowing a little bit about how you learn. So if you guys have any feedback, there's a feedback link in the podcast uh, show notes page here. And then we'll also mention the resources that we mentioned here in the podcast as well. All right, Stephanie, and how can people find out more about you online? Yeah, so I have on my website. It's called Go Dance with a Z, D-A-N-Z dot com. And I do have blogs there that I'm, I'm starting up. And you can also go to Sunday Kizomba Social. It's a group based in Toronto. And... I'm on Facebook all the time. Awesome. And I'll be sure to include all of those on the show notes as well. So people can just click on that and go directly and find you without having to search too long. Great. Yeah, because just to quickly finish. um, So I decided to blog more professionally, let's say. Mm -hmm. And um, because I, I have all these blogs on the group, but I should be doing them on the blogs on my mm-hmm. WordPress. But secondly, I'm really excited because I'm starting a new concept. It's a blog, but it'll be more in video form mm-hmm. and video and photos about how to put fun and vibrancy in your life. And that could, you know, we could cover a lot of ground with that one. But I really like the angle. It's called Just Do You. And it's about, you know, orchestrating your own energy so Mm -hmm. that you can always find your spirit since we talked about that. Yeah, for sure. And I really love that you added that, the spirit part. So, yeah, I'm I'm, um, planning it and structuring it. And uh, you'll be one of the people I'll interview for sure because... They're all, all about people who've had normal, regular people. They don't have a particular, like, extreme superstar status. Mm-hmm. But they're everyday people who have extraordinary lives, that concept. Mm-hmm. You didn't know about them, like, you know, Armstrong had a coma, now he's Mr., you know, focused on his invention and, he, and all the the trials and tribulations it took him to, to get that product sold and you know like you said we don't hear about the process yeah we don't and and how what's inspiring him every day you know or like every day day by day what are you doing to put spark in your life I'm excited yeah that sounds awesome too and it's it's actually great for me because then every day i'll be searching for that so i'm, I'm gonna feel 
very satiated looking for fun things and fun people awesome i can't wait to share to our listeners so when you have that out i can add it to the show notes page because the podcast will be sure out for oh. a, a x number amount of time you know so even if it's not right now if you send me the link we can always go back to the podcast and i can add that link for you yeah great awesome well, thank you so much i'm gonna dash out okay and um this is like super super duper thanks no problem um we'll figure out which podcast we want to record next and then take it from there Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.